Welcome to Porsche Pattern with Bracken Helms, the show where we hear Bracken and his distinguished guests from the Porsche community patter on about Porsches and all things automotive. Porsche Patter is sponsored by Circuit 64. Circuit 64 creates authentic automotive apparel made for like-minded automotive enthusiasts. The links for Circuit 64 are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, here goes another version of talking with Bill and hearing Bill Patton's stories and us bickering. In this episode, he talks about his good friend, Chris Wergus. In previous episodes, I interviewed Ferdy, but this interview with Bill was actually before Ferdy. So in my Ferdy interview, I actually solidified some of the things that Bill said. I wish I would have just interviewed Chris. <laughs> Because we talked about it many times. I went out to eat with him and Bill a bunch of times. He was always hounding me. Oh, give me another shirt. I really like your shirts. And so I could have interviewed him. Actually, Rent Sport Reunion is this next weekend. So if you're at Rent Sport and you come by my booth, um, there's a story to be told. If you're a Chris Weirgis fan about one of the shirts, it's got deep history. There's a lot of ties with Chris in this shirt. But I'm not going to get into it here. But if you want to know, then I'll have a tent at Rent Sport Reunion. Now, you're going to hear Bill run his mouth here. And I don't know how much of it's true and how much of it's fault. I know that Ferdy solidified some of it, but not all of it. Anyway, another part was when me and Bill are talking. Sometimes it gets a little heated. I just wanted to say that I have zero problems with any of the 911s. I mean, it sounds like I may have a problem with 75, 76, and 77. But Bill always wants to run his mouth. Like you hear in this one where he's like, oh, he couldn't get himself a, a 75. And it's like, okay, maybe this worked in 1980. But in 2000, about the time that this got started. I mean, I don't know if he's talking about early when they were just having their first talks or what. But he's like, he's talking about which car Chris picked. That was more more affordable is the reason he they picked that one, which Ferdy solidified it that solidified that. So that part's true. But he's talking about, oh, he couldn't afford a 75. No, like around 2000, even in the 90s, a pre-impact was worth more than a 75. Yes, pre-impacts were really inexpensive. But at no time, early 2000s was a pre-impact worth less than 75, 76, and 77. So you hear me try to bark at Bill about that. And it was all because of the emissions and the thermal reactors. I mean, it just is what it is. Most of this stuff's been fixed now, so people would just kind of forget. And these cars are all great now because they're old and the things have been fixed. And Well, here's Bill Patton talking about his good friend, Chris Weirgus. Okay, so let's go into your... I mean, if anybody knows... Chris Yurgis, more than anybody on the planet, it's you. So there's got to be nine or ten stories about that. I would say that I was probably in the top three of all the friends Chris ever had in his whole life. He was a, a super friend that I valued a lot. So what do you want me to tell you about Chris? Do you want me to tell you when I met him and all that stuff? Because it, it's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, I've already heard about a hundred stories. If we could at least break out some of them. All right, so uh, I was the president of, of Golden. Although, of course, you're going to probably tell me one that I've never heard. <laughs> it's possible. I was the president of Golden Gate Region Porsche Club. And Jim Pasha uh, and I put on a rally in October that revolved around Halloween. 
kind of had a Halloween theme, and it was at night. Uh, Chris showed up to run the rally, and it was his first event ever in the Porsche Club. He had never been to a Porsche Club event before. He had just joined, and he's coming out to this rally. Well, he came to the wrong thing because you can't run a rally alone. And he came alone. And you especially can't run a nighttime rally alone because there's got to be somebody to read the instructions and tell you when to turn and when not to turn and all that kind of stuff. I explained all this. He came to me. I was running the event. I don't even think he knew I was the president of the club. And I said, well, you can't run it alone, but I need a worker. I need somebody to drive with me and help me do all the stuff that I need to do. So if you're game, come with me. You'll learn how to rally, and that can be your first Porsche Club event. So he agreed. Well, the event was like three and a half hours long. By the time we were done, we were fast friends. So about three months later, he becomes inactive. And... I ran into him someplace, maybe at the bre- uh, breakfast thing. Um, what's the name of the place? Easy, at Easy for Saturday morning. And he says... Um, You're getting old if you can't remember Easy. I mean, there's a lot of things I can't remember. And I, and I am getting old. Anyway, so I said, where have you been? And he says, you know what? He says, this club just kind of isn't for me. And he just he just didn't like the social aspects of the Porsche Club. Uh, he thought it was like one-upsmanship and everybody trying to top everybody else and and blah blah blah. But that was that was the difference between Chris socially and me socially. I agreed with him insofar as he was concerned, but he's not a joiner kind of guy. I'm a joiner. So this is in 1980. That's when the idea for the R group began, and it was a joke. Well, I'm just trying to put together, like, I know the first time you met him was, like, at that rally. And then you said, at one point, like, you guys lost contact. like you Yeah, for a long friends. time. Long time. And then you put an ad, he put an ad in the paper? No, I had, I was constantly selling Porsche parts and Porsche paraffin. I had 52 cars over the course of my life. Right. And you accumulate things. And I would have bras and I'd have wheels and tires and I'd have gadgets and I'd have T-shirts and watches and all kinds of stuff for sale. And it would be time to part with it. Or I sold the car and now I want to sell the bra or something like that. And he just showed up one day. No, it it happened constantly. He would see my ads in Craigslist or wherever they were or the Porsche magazine. And he wouldn't even know it was me. And he'd call and he'd say, are you selling a so-and-so? And I'd go, I think I recognize your voice. Is this Chris Bergus? Because his voice was very recognizable, right. as you know. Right. And he'd go, yeah, why? And I'd say, this is Bill Patton. And he'd go, oh, my God, you again? And so he'd come to my house and he'd buy, the first time it was a jacket. I remember it vividly. It was a jacket with about 100 jacket patches on it. And I think I sold it to him for $17. And those jacket patches are probably worth $500 now. And his family still has the jacket. I want it back. Anyway, that kept happening. So when Chris and I would would separate, 
then we would get back some miracle of him seeing an ad someplace and calling me, and lo and behold, we'd be in my driveway again. But the thing that got got us back together again the final time where we started having those Tuesday oyster lunches and everything was he got sick and he went in the hospital in an emergency. So I started visiting him in the hospital because the hospital was just two miles down the road and it was Chris, and I, I wanted to go visit Chris. So I started visiting him, and it renewed the friendship to the extent that it got pretty, well, you know, when you're having lunch with the same guy every yeah. Tuesday for a long, long time, it, it means you have a serious friendship. But that was, much, that was after our group started in around 2000. The subject of it came up in 1980 in my living room, and it was a joke. So I, that, that day when he said, I don't want to be in the Porsche Club, he, he says, what do you suggest? He says, are there any other clubs that are different? And I said, no, start your own club. And he says, well, how would I do that? And I said, just just start your own club. Just call it Chris's Porsche Club, and, and you can be the only member. And you can make a logo, and you can have rules and bylaws and officers and everything and it became a joke between he and I about how you would have a club for one person and I said well I don't want to join your stupid club but get your brother to join he's got a car and then you have a two man club and so all these jokes about the R group started developing and it went from it started off with uh, Chris's Porsche Club and he said no 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 I don't want it to sound like I own it. And I said, then call it Our Porsche Club. Well, Our Porsche Club eventually became Our Group. And then he and Ernie Wilberg took, took a trip down south, I think, to find out if those guys in L.A. or San Diego. See, I'm going to ask, where does Freeman Thomas come into this? That's where they went. That's where Wilberg and, and Chris went to visit Thomas to see if Thomas would join up and create this club that didn't have a name. It, but we kept referring to it as our group, O-U-R, not R. Well, Ernie Wilberg is a big fan of the 9-11-R. And so on the trip to L.A., they decide that our should be R. And group, instead of G-R-O-U-P, should be G-R-U-P-P-E. Perfect. Our group, it means something Germanic and Porsche-ish instead of a group. And it was like the perfect name. But Chris and I had 100 names for it before 2000 came around. Because we, we, we gagged about it for 20 years. One of the things was, he says... Why would anybody join? And I said, Chris, you're going to find out that, that exclusivity, Porsche people and little groups like that love exclusivity. So if you created a logo and you had a club named the, the Speedster Club, people are going to want to join it. But the, there's some tricks to this. I said, you have to make it desirable to them. As in limited membership. And that's how they came up with 300 people. They sold out the 300 like virtually overnight. 
And so there's 500 people that want to join a club that has 300 members. So the only time that you could become a member is if somebody dropped out. If 276 dropped out, you could be on the list. But then Chris would decide who of the 500 wannabes got to be 276. It made the club really desirable. Oh, and then the other thing was to limit it to a certain kind of car. If all Porsches were eligible, then it just it wouldn't be limited edition. So they just, I don't know how they decided this, but I told Chris, I said, he said, well, what car should I pick? And I said, well, obviously you have to pick the car you're driving. Because yeah. you, you can't have a 914 glove and, and drive a 911. That's, that's crazy. Well, at the time, he had either a 73. He called it that white one. I mean, I don't know a lot. He, pr- he probably had the white they, car, but he could have had a 73T. I know when they were talking to Freeman Thomas, he was talking about, oh, there were some people up north, like a guy and his brother that were just driving around in their old 911s, just driving the hell out of them. And he liked the idea. And that's kind of, I think that's what he said. I personally think he's kind of a non-factor. I mean, do you think there's still an R group? I don't think there is an R group anymore. Oh, yeah. They still have meetings. They have meetings. Yeah, they have one. They're having They're having a Treffin in like a month. Really? But, you know, this is one of those that only R groups can come. I know the last one they had was, you know, I went, you went. Oh, I went too, went yeah. Because anybody was involved, as long as Chris. Were you at the dinner, the, at the Saturday night dinner? No. Okay. Okay. Not that long ago, probably about the time the R group got started or when Chris had his car, those cars were I mean, God, when I was coming out of high school, I was like, well, I can't afford a Porsche. Oh, but I can afford a pre-impact. You know, back in the day, it's like those cars, they were the cheapest one. 73 and older was, well, I mean, you counted 75, 76, and 77 shit cars in the U.S. because of emissions. And people don't seem to remember that now. But, I mean, aside from the 75, 76, and 77 that were like nobody gave two shits about, other than that... Like the seventy three and older were good cars, and but they were they were cheap, like they were super cheap. So I'm thinking, like at the time, Chris probably just bought a car that he just, oh, I just want to drive the hell out of it. Why do I want to? Why do I want to join PCA? Why do I want a car that's a concourse car? Like that, he was against that, so he bought those cars. But now you look at it, and it's like, oh, well, you've got to have a pre impact. Well, the reason it started, I mean, I don't know. This is what my question is. The reason it started was because or I'm wondering if it did, is because those cars were cheap. So it has nothing to do with the I don't levels. know. A lot can be said for cars that are not okay, expensive. Look at- the minute a car gets expensive, do you really want to drive and go out in the dirt, kick up rocks? No. And- but a, the cheaper car is like a car that you could start a group cheap. with about driving. No, it wasn't cheap. Oh, okay, you're talking about in 2000 it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was driving one. That's why. Why was he driving one? Because that's all he could afford. Oh, okay, okay, you're right. He wanted a driver's car. But he didn't want a driver's car because he wanted a driver's car. He wanted a driver's car because it was what he could afford. He was also geared to who wanted to have a specialty group. And part of what you hit on was the people who were buying cheaper cars. He wanted a club full of guys that were buying the cheaper cars because those were the people he wanted, not the cars. He wanted the people that couldn't afford 
a 75 Carrera. Get it? You see what I mean? 75 is a shitty year. That's I not mean, the point. I know That's it's not, not the, the point. point, but I'm, I'm well, just real okay. stuck on was, like... Was all... 80 a shitty year? I say no. no. I say 80 was a good year. Yeah. Because I, I had three 79s and an 80. The only ones that were shitty were 75, 76, and 77. And it was only because well, of missions. And Car- people forgot about that. My 75 Carrera wasn't shitty. All right, so let's I mean, go back to sports purpose. So Chris was aware that he was trying to zero in on people who could afford an early 911 because they were affordable, whereas 74, 75, 80s were not affordable. They were virtually new cars. If you were out buying a sports car, you were going to pay more for a 911 than you were for a Jaguar. I so it was, so. A, it was the high, it was at the high end of pricing in the field, but it was affordable in the Porsche in the Porsche spectrum. He wanted the guys that couldn't afford a car that made them hierarchy in the Porsche club, where everybody goes ooh ah, because nobody was going ooh ah about a seventy two T, or even an S. They weren't going ooh ah yet. So he made kind of the perfect choice when he picked that range of cars. A, because he owned one. B, because he was trying to go for the guy. He would feel special in the group if he had a nice car. Or he had a really wacky custom car because they were all encouraged to customize their cars with the gigantic wheels and or the deep set wheels and all that kind of malarkey. So sports purpose was a made-up phrase that made it sound as though those cars were special in some way because he had tons of guys who put fake wheel tails on, fake fenders, all kinds of fake shit on those cars. And so he had to have an excuse for that. And the excuse was to call the cars sport purpose. When I ran into him after our group was formed and he said... By the way, remember the car club? He said, it's off the ground. It's called the R Group and blah, blah, blah. And I I was shocked. I was absolutely stunned. And then I went to Easy with him one day. And there they were. And they worshipped him like he was God. And that's why I think our group is just... I don't even... I could give a shit less about the R Group now that Chris is gone. To me, it was... All your friends are still in there, like Ernie. But... To me, Chris was the driving force, and it probably has something to do with the fact that I was sitting there watching the whole thing be formed as a joke, and then it became a reality. Oh, right. I mean, some of it doesn't sound like, I don't know. No, I'm serious. His bro knows. Ferdy? Yeah. And and, uh, and by the way, I I knew him before I knew Chris. So I knew him and his black uh, fake car, which is, by the way, very cool. I like his car a lot. For, oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. He's got a 1973 Porsche Parade sticker on the back that he bought from me for a buck that's worth 100 now. I asked him one time how he got his car to make that noise. It's like a, He says he spent a fortune on it. 
because I'm like a lot of those guys they drive in and out of there and they have that same poor sound some of them are higher pitched than others but his is just got a distinct sound and I asked him about it and he went on and on and I was like I guess it's like custom built or well, something what's amazing to me about that sound is it's really a stupid sound it's tinny it's not like, his his sounds good well no I know but it's still a version of tinny and I mean if you if you took that and, and had a Mustang guy with a monster engine from, you know, 1968, listen to it, they'd go, gee, that sounds tinny. They just don't understand what tinny means to us. So what's next on here? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, comment, like, and share with your friends. Feel free to send questions or suggestions to the email in the description of the show. Special thanks to our sponsor, Circuit 64. Goodbye for now. We hope we can get together again for our next episode. Now get out there and enjoy the cars and the people.